Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. If you have questions about our church or following Jesus, feel free to reach out to us at info at theplantchurch.org. Now, here's today's message. We're going to open up to John chapter 1. I'm going to read that in just a minute. We are in week three of our Advent series, Carols of Christmas. We've been reflecting on various Christmas carols and hymns that speak to the truth and the reality of what it means that God has come into the world. And we're singing songs during this Advent season that help us wait well. How many of you are great at waiting? No one. That's really weird. That's very strange. Why aren't you great at waiting? I'm not great at waiting either. Uh, And and like we're talking about waiting in line for, you know, like to to pay for my groceries. We're, We're not talking about waiting for all of history to change with God coming into the earth. That's like a different heavy kind of waiting for like the hope of everything we've ever longed for to be finally satisfied. That's the kind of waiting that can like eat you alive if we're not waiting well. And these songs are songs that help us wait well. Songs that help us realize the truth of just how good this good news is that God has come to be with us in Jesus. So we're going to uh, look at another carol uh, and and reflect on it in light of John chapter 1. But I want to share this story as we get started and get into, before we get into the text to help frame our, our time together this morning. Uh, Dr. Gardner Taylor was a very well-known, famous uh, preacher. He was known as the Dean of Black Preachers. He had a large church in New York that he pastored for many, many years. But he tells this story before he passed away uh, that when he was a young preacher, just starting out, he was once uh, preaching at a small rural church uh, down in Louisiana. And it was at a time when uh, they were just getting electricity into that part of Louisiana. And, and, and uh, he went to preach in this small rural black church in that area, and, and they had one light bulb from the ceiling, and it was hit or miss if they were going to have electricity. And uh, he, he was preaching this powerful, power, powerful sermon, this young preacher, you know, much like I do every week, obviously. And um, you, you're very familiar with this. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden, in the middle of his message, the electricity goes out. It was still very unpredictable back then. And being a young, inexperienced preacher, he, he didn't know what to do. And he starts stumbling over his message. He's a lot of, uh, uh, I don't, you know, he's not really sure where to, what to do in the midst of this. And he was getting nervous until all of a sudden he heard through the dark the words of one of the elderly deacons in the church who shouted out from the back of the room, preach on, preacher, we can still see Jesus in the dark. I just love that story because it is such a powerful reminder that Jesus is greater than every situation you and I or the world are facing. Jesus can even be seen in the midst of the darkness. Jesus can be seen in the midst of the circumstances that are not working out for us. Jesus can be seen in the midst of the misery and the chaos that surrounds us in the world. No matter what your circumstances, no matter what your situation, Jesus' light never goes out. Jesus isn't put off by your circumstances. He can still be seen in the dark. 
Jesus isn't put off by your nervousness or your worry, even about the rain that's going to ruin Christmas by the fire. He's not nervous about that either. Andrew was nervous about that, but Jesus isn't nervous about that. You see, when Jesus appears, his light never goes out. He defeats the darkness. He's with us so we're not alone, and he brings abundant blessing. And so we can keep right on walking with Jesus because his light isn't going to go out even when things get dark. And the song in this Advent season as we're waiting and longing, a song that we need to grab a hold of that tells us about this truth is this well-known Christmas song that starts like this. Oh, holy night. The stars are brightly shining. It's the night of the dear Savior's birth. And I love that. In the midst of the night, the night gets described as holy because God's doing something in the night that no one else can do. O Holy Night was written in 1847. It was written in France, and it quickly became very, very popular with the Christmas Eve masses uh, that that were conducted. And it was soon translated into English. It became wildly popular. There's been so many different uh, popular versions of this done, even to this day. Everyone wants to cover it. I don't know if Taylor Swift has covered it yet, Lindsay, but it's it's on her list, I'm sure. You'd let her know next time you guys speak. And the lyrics of this song just declare the incredible things that Jesus has done in the midst of the night, in the midst of the darkness. And it's his light that's now shining brightly and it never goes out. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18, it introduces Jesus as the light, as the one who's come into the world. And we're going to read this text and talk about Jesus and his light that never goes out in light of this Christmas carol. Would you read this along with me? John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. It says this, In the beginning, the Word already existed, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they, even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. 
from his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one, who is God himself, is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. Let's pray. Jesus, I ask that as we are present and attentive to your presence among us, I pray that we would truly recognize this reality that you have revealed God to us. That you, that are close to the Father's heart, would draw us close to the Father's heart. We pray, Lord, that you would shine brightly and we would see you even in the dark. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. When Jesus appears, his light never goes out. This means that darkness is defeated. Like John says, it means also that we're not alone at all. It means that out of his, his fullness, his abundance, he gives us blessing after blessing after blessing. So I want to just declare the truth of this good news to you this morning. That when he appears, his light never goes out. When his, because his light never goes out, first off, it means that darkness is defeated. What does this mean for us? In John 1, the first five verses that we read here this morning describes the word already existing in the beginning. This is the word that not only was with God, but the word actually was God. He, and he gave life to everything. The word created alongside of God and as God was God. Here's, here's a little bit of the context. What John's trying to do as he starts this gospel is he's trying to help us see that Jesus isn't just a man that came on the scene. Jesus is the eternal God. And he, he starts by reminding us, listen, this Jesus Christ that we're about to talk about that's walking among us, he's the same God that's written about in Genesis 1 where it says there in the beginning. And so John uses that word very intentionally, in the beginning, the word already existed. In the beginning is in Genesis 1.1, God created the heavens and the earth. And John's saying there's something about this God that we need to understand. This is the same one who we see as the word who became Jesus Christ. It's, there's no difference. This is who we're talking about here. God was at work in Jesus and is Jesus from creation to what he's doing now. And there's this idea in, in this opening uh, passage called the word. In the Greek, it's the word logos. Now, this isn't just a, a word that simply means like a word on a page. It, it does mean that. But the way logos got used in, in the Greek is this is a term that philosophers used to refer to ultimate meaning ultimate reality, ultimate truth. If you want to get to the heart of what all existence and meaning and purpose is, you must find the logos. You have to get to what the logos is. 
At the same time, this word logos gets uh, used in the Old Testament in a translation called the Septuagint. This is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, not the, the Hebrew, but the Greek Bible that they would have read in Jesus' day, in John's day. They would have read a Greek translation of the Old Testament. And, and the word, a word gets used there, logos gets used there to describe every time God says, I will put my name among them. I will put my name in the tabernacle. I will put my name in the temple. My name will be among them. And the name described the reality of God's manifest presence tangibly being with his people. And so John's bringing this idea of the logos in Greek philosophy. And he's bringing this idea of the name from the Hebrew scriptures. And he's saying the name, the word, the logos was there at the very beginning with God. And as a matter of fact, this name, this logos, this ultimate meaning and purpose that you're searching for, it is God. And created all of these things, created life itself. The Logos is God. And here's what's so powerful about this. John says that the Logos, the Word, challenged the darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. And John's saying the Word, the Logos, was bringing light then, saying let there be light, and he's bringing light now as he comes into the world. This is what N.T. Wright says, the biblical scholar. He says, the word, capital W, challenged the darkness before creation and now challenges the darkness that is found tragically within creation itself. The word is bringing into being the new creation in which God says once more, let there be light. In our circumstances, in our moments of trial, God is saying here, let there be light. Now, this is really profound because if we think about the Hebrew story of creation with God speaking, let there be light, and suddenly all the darkness was lit up. This is very, very different from the other mythologies that existed in the ancient Near East world. Every single one of them, Egyptian, uh, Babylonian, uh, Ugaritic, any of these ancient civilizations that existed around the time of the Hebrews, they also had these creation stories about darkness and chaos. It was usually some big dragon or sea monster type creature was described as this darkness. And the gods, uh, one of the, depending on the, the different uh, civilization, the, the chief god would have a different name. The chief god would be in this massive life or death struggle against darkness, trying to defeat it, trying to bring about life. And it was a struggle. And thankfully, whoo, the good guy won and beat the darkness and beat the chaos. And then in the midst of this world where this is how they thought about darkness really was a struggle that had to be fought against. It was really hard to defeat, but thankfully the good guys won. The Hebrews had the story of their God that says, actually, our God didn't have a struggle. He just said, let there be light, and there was light. What's, there's no struggle. There's no fight. Because this is how great the God is that we worship. And John is saying that this same God now is coming into the world. There's no great cosmic struggle. It's a simple word. 
This is the same thing with Jesus. The word defeated the darkness at the beginning and now is defeating it once more, entering into history to bring light to the darkness. But this is what I love about it. Jesus didn't need to come storming in for some great struggle against the darkness of the world. He's like, I can come as a baby. That's how much confidence God has in the light that he is how unfazed he is by the challenges of this world. Actually, you know what the best thing I could do is be super vulnerable and be a baby. If he wanted to multiply his chances of success, maybe wait a few thousand years for modern medicine before being born to guarantee that he was gonna be born safely. There was no guarantee. But Jesus didn't need to pick a fight with the darkness. He just shone and shined his light and darkness was extinguished. This is what Jesus, the word does. He challenges our darkness. Every soul, every life is dealing with sin, lies, secrets, things that burden us. Things where we're like, I've never told anyone this. Things that destroy and weigh down our souls. Things that make us weary. But when he appeared, he defeated the darkness. When he appears to you, every lie is tossed aside. When he appears to you, every sin is defeated. When he appears to you, every bit of grief he comforts. And when he appears to you, every hidden shame is uncovered. And forgiven. And whatever remains hidden, any struggle against darkness that we perceive is actually not a struggle on Jesus' end. It's just a struggle with us being willing to surrender. Jesus has no struggle with darkness. He speaks a word. He is the word. And light comes. And darkness is defeated. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. The light of Jesus comes and shines into this world, shines upon the darkness of our lives, the brokenness, the sin, the secrets, the lies, and begins to shine his light. It's the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining until... He appeared, and the soul felt its worth. Your soul has a value that you cannot begin to realize until you surrender to the light of Jesus and let him shine into your life. He will defeat the darkness. It brings as the last two lines of this verse say, a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. My friends, when Jesus's light shines, darkness is defeated. There's no struggle for Jesus. He extinguishes the darkness because he is the word. Not only is darkness defeated when his light shines into the world, it is also true that when Jesus appears and his light shines into the world, we are no longer alone. 
John 1 verse 14 says that the word, this logos became human, made his home among us, full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we've seen his glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. This is what's so important for us to to catch here. The, The word became human and made his home among us. Uh, Eugene Peterson's message translation says that he moved into the neighborhood. The original language in the Greek says that Jesus, the word, became human and tabernacled among us. The tabernacle was in the Old Testament where Moses set up this tent and the Ark of the Covenant was there and the entirety of the nation of the Israelites were camped around this tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant was there and they physically saw the presence of God present with them. It was a pillar of fire above the tabernacle at nighttime to give them light and there was a cloud in the day to give them shade. The temple later on became a symbol of the tabernacle, a place where God's glory could be visibly, tangibly seen, that he was manifestly present with us. Not just like, oh yeah, God's everywhere, but there was a visceral sense of God is really here in the room right now. Not unlike our time of worship this morning, where there was a sense that God was present with us. And so John uses that language here. This word that we talk about, the one who's eternal, all purpose and meaning, the logos, he became human, put on flesh. That's insane. And he tabernacled among us. Not only would we just have this sense of the glory of God and a pillar of fire or something, or a sense of his presence, but the word himself was going to become the most present he could possibly be by putting skin and flesh and bones on. By living the totality of a human existence. Like, I don't need to like say this, but I'm just going to spell it out. To be human means he spent nine months in a womb and came through a birth canal. I know, too much for some of you on a Sunday morning. But that's part of what it means to be human. To have a visceral sense of experiencing like physical reality. Can you just think about that? This is what God did to be present with us and be among us. And in his being here, we saw his glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. You see, the word, the logos, is not a theory. It's not just a 12 points to a better life. It's not the seven habits of highly effective people. The word is a person. The meaning, the logos, the purpose of all things is a person. It's Jesus. When you're looking for trying to discern what actually matters, how do I find my meaning and purpose, you need to start with the logos. And the logos is not even this book. It's the one that this book tells us about. It is Jesus himself, the God-man, who came to dwell among us. And you know what's so profound about this is Jesus didn't just come to be among us. He, became, he came to experience what it means to be human. He came to actually suffer alongside you and I. How many of you suffered this week a little bit? I have good news for you. How many of you had a sense of weakness this week? Your frailty is a created creature. 
How many of you had a sense of, God, how much longer is this going to last? You know what I'm talking about. How long, O oh Lord? Jesus, Hebrews 4, 15, it says he understands our weakness. For he faced all of the same testings we do. Because he became human. And he tabernacled among us. He didn't just go, you know what you guys need to do down there is fix this, this, and this. No, no, no. I'm going to get down there in the dirt with them. You know, the Hebrew for human actually means like a creature of the dirt. It's not a great namesake, really. I'd prefer something a little different. But it's what we are. And God, in his great love, was so pleased to dwell among us and become one of us. And in doing so, it was a great move of solidarity with every bit of suffering and hardship and pain that we experience. You know how you just need, you don't need a therapist that's there like one hour a week to kind of talk you through it. You need someone there like with you in the moment that it's happening. You know what I'm talking about? That's Jesus. There's not a single trial you are facing or ever will face that he is not with you and that he does not know exactly what you're going through. And he does this for all people. Just put a picture up on the screen here. Oh, it's already up there. Um, I love this picture. It's been circulating very widely uh, of, of Jesus put in, in the rubble, baby Jesus put in the rubble in Jerusalem, uh, or excuse me, in Bethlehem this Christmas season. Uh, and, and one of the churches of the nativity, instead of putting up the whole nativity church set up and everything, they, they just decided that Jesus was going to be in the rubble to represent the children and those that are experiencing their destruction of their homes and their lives. And regardless of your theology or your politics and the conflict between Gaza and Israel, here's one thing that we can say with certainty is that Jesus stands with every single human being. Regardless of their weakness. He knows their weakness. He's there to comfort them. He's there in hardship and trial. And this image just captures so powerfully what it means for Jesus to come and be among us in the midst of our suffering. He knows what it's like to be with us when we're alone because he lived it. He's with us. And he can be with you in your suffering and your loneliness because he knows what suffering is. You are not alone because his light has come. Not only has he defeated darkness, not only has his light meaning that you're not alone, Before I say that, let me read this. I love this verse from, from O Holy Night. Led by the light of faith, serenely beaming with glowing hearts, by his cradle we stand. Led by light of a star, sweetly gleaming. Here come wise men from far eastern land. This is the king of kings, lay thus in lowly manger. In all our trials, born to be our friend. And I love the, the refrain of this verse. He knows our need. To our weakness is no stranger. Behold your king. We do not have a king who is far above us, who does not know what it's like to walk a mile in our shoes. Behold, your king knows your weakness, and he's with you. 
because his light is shining and darkness is defeated. You're not alone. And finally, because his light is shining, his fullness gives us blessing after blessing. His fullness brings you blessing after blessing. John 1.16, I love this. From his abundance, another word for that is fullness. We have all received one gracious blessing after another. Because of the fullness, from the fullness, the totality and completeness and perfection of everything Jesus is, you keep getting blessing after blessing after blessing. It just keeps going. Now, if you are like me, I have a church background. I grew up in the church. I grew up in a, my, my father's a pastor. And it wasn't by anything that he, he did or didn't do or the churches I was in did or didn't do. There was just something in the air of the church culture that I grew up in that taught me that there is just a necessary lack that I'm going to experience until Jesus comes back. Now, we're not, we're not there yet. We're not living in the new creation yet. Absolutely. There's a longing for things to be set right. Things are not perfect. But we would ignore, in my tradition, passages like this that describe Jesus' fullness giving us right now blessing after blessing after blessing. Living in the tension that both are possible at the same time. Some of you have probably not realized that the fullness that exists in Jesus Christ is meant to be lived out in your life and experienced by you now. If you, if you grew up like me or what you've heard about the church is, well, Christianity is about, I've got to say sorry for all the bad things I've done. Okay, I did that, check. And I can't like doing those things anymore, check. And, and, and then second, I, I, have to, I have to do whatever Jesus tells me to do. And he's just going to like forgive all the past and he's going to forgive it and it's all good. And I can go to heaven now. That's a really disappointing gospel. And it's not what this book says. Does it say things to that extent? Yes, those are things in there that are part of it. What I just described is called justification. That's the theological word for it. That everything of the guilt, the shame, every sin that you've committed, Jesus forgives it. It is washed away 100%. That's only part of it. We don't really talk about a lot, or at least I didn't grow up talking a lot about what happens next. Sanctification is the process of living the fullness of blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing after I could keep going blessing after blessing. You get the point. The Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians says that the church, actually Jesus Christ, filled the church with his fullness. The same Greek word. Everything, the completeness, the totality of everything Jesus wants to bless us with. He's filled his church with it. I'm like, I, I'm not, I don't feel that one. Are you feeling that one? Think about the life Jesus lived, the extraordinary way he lived, his love towards others, the, the healing that he extended, the freedom he gave people. Man, like there's something I need to grow into. There's more fullness than I could have possibly imagined. You see, this is why Jesus didn't just give us this nice spiritual fullness. There, there's tangible elements that actually play out in our day-to-day -day life. 
Jesus made available in his fullness things like the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience. How many of you need some peace and some patience? Imagine having, I'm just walking in the fullness of Christ's peace and patience right now. It's not at ShopRite today. Yeah, it's not on sale. It's a little expensive with inflation at the moment. Maybe you can save up for some peace and patience next week. Self-control. How many of you just need joy? Not just fake happiness, but deep joy. How many of you need a love that overcomes hatred? These things aren't just in here. They play out in the way we behave in our day-to-day lives, right? There's a tangible, not just a spiritual reality to the blessings and the fullness of what Jesus has done. Healing. Living a holy, sanctified life. He's provided for every tangible need. He says, well, my father, if he loves the sparrows and the birds and he provides for the, the, the flowers of the field, won't he take care of you way more? Doesn't he love you way more? There's tangible provision. You know what else that he did? Through the cross, he brought equality and freedom through a level ground at the foot of the cross. In Ephesians also, Paul says that that in the cross, Jesus broke down the dividing wall between ethnic hostility. He refers to it between Jew and Gentile. But you know that the dividing wall he's talking about is literally a physical wall in the temple of that time. The Jews could be on this side, but the Gentiles had to stay over here. And and Paul's saying the cross just obliterated that. Men and women stand on equal footing. Every tribe and tongue are on equal in his eyes. Jesus has given us all this and more. And John says the blessings just keep on coming when we live out of this fullness. I just I felt this one in particular in preparing and praying this week that if you are living in lack, this verse is for you. That when Jesus came into the world and his light began to shine, his abundance, his fullness is for you. You have received, it says. We have, it doesn't say some have received, all received blessing after blessing. If you're living in lack, it's time to receive fullness of Jesus' blessing in your life. Truly, he taught us to love one another. His law is love, his gospel is peace. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. In his name, all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy, grateful chorus raise we. Let all within us praise his holy name. How good is the word who became human and lived among us. A light that shines. When he appears, this light is never extinguished. It defeats darkness. We're never alone. And we receive blessings blessing. You know what's really funny about this hymn, O Holy Night? This is what's so fascinating to me, is the song actually were written by two people who were not Christians. It was written by a secular Jew, or excuse me, a secular Frenchman and a Jewish composer. I just found that fascinating that they they wrote such profound lyrics. 
there, there's something, this just tells me that there's something about Jesus, the logos, the ultimate meaning, something deep in every human heart that is just longing for true meaning, longing for the real, longing for real things. We need to see his kingdom working out in our relationships, in the way this world works. And Jesus is that logos, that true meaning that speaks to the place of longing that we all have in our hearts. We long for someone who can truly overcome darkness in our lives and in the world. We long for someone to be with us in our loneliness. We long for someone, something more than the lack that we are constantly experiencing in this life. Because we were made in this image of God, there's something that just longs in us to, to reflect that reality into the world and to search out who God is or what meaning is. And when he appears to us, when Jesus appears to us, when we finally see him, our souls feel their worth. So I want to ask you a question. When, when he appears to you, if you had a sense of his presence this morning, if, if there's something that you've been longing for, when he appears, do we, do we behold his appearing? Do we take time to pay attention to the fact that he's present? Do we surrender and let that light into our lives? Are we giving witness to his appearing? Are we caught up in the beauty of Jesus? In his embodied life in history, God come in the flesh, moving into the neighborhood. Can we behold the one that gives our souls a realization of their true worth? Can we pay attention to him this morning? He wants to appear to you today, right now. Through the Holy Spirit. He wants to make himself present to you. So what we're going to do as we close in, in worship and communion is we're going to make space. If our, our prayer ministry team could come up, don't be put off by their tacky Christmas sweater outfits. You know, they're, 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 I, they're, pro, they're not crazy, I promise. Well, maybe a little, but uh, they're, they're, it's good crazy. But here, listen to what we want to do. If, if there's something in you this morning that's saying, I need my soul to feel its worth, I want to invite you to, to go to one of our, our prayer team people, and they just want to make space for you to be present with Jesus and to hear his voice. If, if you are like, today's the day that I don't live in lack anymore. Today's the day that the darkness gets defeated. Today's the day where the loneliness is overcome. Come meet with the one who is light and life. Thanks so much for joining us today. If this podcast has been helpful for you to know Jesus and make him known, then check out our website for more sermons and other resources, theplantchurch.org.